Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Merry Christmas to one and all out there. It's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Hope you and your loved ones are doing well. Last show before Christmas this year. Uh, J.C. Sherbert here with you talking Gamecocks. Lots to get to. As always, um, what we're going to do, we're just going to talk through a number of subjects, and then uh, I'm going to get to the mailbag questions. going to answer all of them and uh, wish you guys a happy, happy holidays and uh, then move on. <laughs> Been a long week so far, even though it's only Wednesday, so it's just uh, kind of crazy. So anyway, uh, yesterday, some bad news, I guess, for the Gamecocks. It was, um, uh, you know, <clears throat> I don't know, bad news for those that just like to watch Carolina football. Um, I don't know that in the grand scheme of things, not going to the Gasparilla Bowl and playing a good UAB team, which I believe UAB would have probably beaten South Carolina. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I think that, um, you know, that uh, that's probably not something anybody will miss. But, uh, you know, day after Christmas on a Saturday happens to be my birthday. I was kind of looking forward to it. Uh, but unfortunately, COVID finally caught up with the Gamecocks. Gamecocks had had, had no, no games rescheduled or postponed or canceled this year. Uh, you get to the bowl game um, this week. There were some contact tracing issues within the offensive coaching staff um, and a couple of players, and it just got to be too much. You know, you didn't have an offensive coaching staff. Uh, you couldn't really play in the game. Uh I wanted to go through some of the reporting yesterday, and I'm going to tell you this. It's, um, you know, Mike Yuva, uh, who is a very respected reporter in Columbia. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him, big fan of his work. He's fair. Uh, he's honest. You know, I, I can't say enough good about the job he does. Um, but yesterday, you know, he had a tweet that he put out that was, I don't want to say it's misleading, but, you know, when you dig into the facts, it, it made it seem worse than it was. Uh, and, and he's standing behind the story because he, you know, he, he should. He was factual with what he said. But he said, you know, uh, yeah, COVID's the one that caused this. But I'm told some players did not want to play in the game for Mike Bobo, the interim head coach. Uh, so let's unpack this. John Whittle came back, interviewed Ray Tanner who said no players expressed to him that it was because of Bobo. There were some that were iffy about playing. Um, and then I kind of got to the bottom of it. Apparently it was, you know, a couple of guys that expressed that about Bobo. One never plays. Um, and that's how that information got out. Uh, you know, Mike Bobo, I think, would have lost a lot more players uh, if he had lost the locker room. You know, you had the two – quote-unquote NFL guys, uh, Horn and, and McQuamu that opted out. And then you had uh, um, R.J. Roderick who opted out, who probably didn't appreciate some of the honesty <laughs> that, that Mike Bobo, from what I'm told, was, was, was preaching. But, you know, these guys all came back. They were all practicing. You know, th there's nothing that indicates that there, were, there was mass dissension in the ranks when it came to Mike Bobo and his leadership, if anything, uh, he, he's kind of worked his butt off 
uh, to get people focused on the right things uh, within the program. And, and a lot of players have expressed that, you know, behind the scenes. And I think, you know, the job he's done here in the interim is going to make Shane Beamer's job easier uh, in terms of retaining guys. Now, is everybody going to stay? Probably not. But I do think that, uh, you know, he has helped the program as the interim head coach. Now, folks out there that are, you know, that think there's some sort of conspiracy theory with Ryan Helensky and Mike Bobo not playing, um, you know, I'm privy to the information on that situation. Uh, and I'll continue to say that Ryan Helensky could be as good as he wants to be, but he's got to be want to be good, uh, you know, and that's the bottom line. And I hope he does. I hope Ryan Helensky comes out on fire here during the Shane Beamer era, Shane Beamer era and wins the job and, and, and is really, really good. But uh, right now, that's just not the facts. Those aren't the facts uh, in terms of, of performance. Everything's performance related. Uh, you know, Mike Bobo and Will Muschamp, you know, have they been perfect coaches during their career? Have they never made mistakes personnel-wise? Obviously. You know, obviously, coaches do that all the time, especially quarterback. But but they're not going to keep a guy on the bench that can help them win. That's the bottom line. And they didn't do that to Holinsky. I mean, it, you know, again, you go to the Ole Miss game the week before, they they gave him every opportunity to win, and he just didn't do it. And and so that's 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 the bottom line there, you know. And I know that there's a lot of people that are fans of, of Holinsky's. Uh, and I would just encourage you guys uh, to understand, you know, you're Gamecock fans. Uh, you're, you're fans of the University of South Carolina Gamecocks, not one player. Um, you know, that's uh, – I guess some people are fans of one player. And I understand the year was so bad, and Colin Hill was not very good at times, uh, and Luke Doty is a true freshman, and, and so you're looking for answers, and I get it. But, you know, if that was any sort of answer, it would have happened. I promise. Um, and so I know some people want to latch on to that because they're mad about Helensky and, you know, that they, they, they're like, well, you know, this, this just shows Bobo needs to go. Well, that, that's not true because it was two guys <laughs> that were talking about Bobo and they didn't even express it in the meeting. They expressed it sort of on the record-ish to a media outlet. And... Um, that's unfortunate, you know, in my opinion, that, you know, that kind of thing. And, and it went, it spread like wildfire yesterday. I think either Deadspin or the big lead or somebody, they, they aggregated it all and tried to use Bobo's uh, comments about, oh, we didn't vote to play or, or whatever. And then say, oh, we'll see. Here's what happens. There's a mutiny um, to try to make it seem like that. That's just not factual. That's not true. That's a lie that there's some sort of player mutiny that caused them not to play in the bowl. It was due to COVID. And, you know, quite frankly, South Carolina has been pretty fortunate that they hadn't had other games canceled, like just about every other school in the country. So that's that. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to, I don't want to beat up on Mike Uva or anything. I think he does a good job. He's just reporting what he's told, but you know, when you kind of dig in below the scene, you know, behind the scenes, below the surface, it's not as big of a deal as maybe some people, not Mike, but some other people wanted to make it out to be. And um, it's just not factual to sit there and think there was any kind of, you know, player revolt that, you know, we're not playing for this guy anymore or anything like that. Cause you know, Mike Bobo's probably staying on staff 
probably staying on staff. So, you know, if they don't want to play for Bobo and they're on the offensive side of the ball, uh, they probably don't need to let the door hit them in the butt on the way out, just to be honest. And I say that, you know, from a, you know, South Carolina's program perspective, but from a personal perspective, if you're, if you're a kid, you don't want to, you don't like the coach, you know, obviously you don't need to stick around. I, I think that, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons you got the transfer portal and new rules coming and things like that. So I think the Gamecocks, um, the players that are Gamecocks now that don't want to be, you know, that, that that's good for them to get out of the situation they're in. So I, you know, don't blame them. It's a free country. I just, uh, you know, again, and, and I hate this because, you know, it sounds like every time you turn around, you know, something's out there about this, you know, about that, about, you know, Ray Tanner offering Tom Herman or Tom Herman begging Ray Tanner for the job at Carolina. You know, it seems like every time we turn around, there's something out there that you have to correct. And it, you know, it seems a lot of times here on the big spur, like we're, we're, we're the establishment, you know, saying no, 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 no. But look, the truth matters these days. It, it may not seem to matter because you've got a lot of opinions out there and I give opinions just like everybody else. Um, but you, you got a lot of stuff out there. So people gravitate toward what they want to believe, you know, and it's kind of funny with this latest situation uh, like I said, the ones that believe there's some super duper conspiracy out there about Ryan Halinski not playing this year, they're the ones that immediately gravitate toward, oh, Bobo needs to go because all these players have, you know, uh, you, uh, you know, all these players have, have, have opted out because of him. And, and that's just not, that's not true. But people are going to believe what they want to believe. Uh, probably wasn't looking good in Tampa anyway. <laughs> like I said, uh, game costs are kind of down to some slim pickings, but, uh, they're not playing anyway. That game's canceled UAB. I just guess doesn't go to a bowl now. And so, um, you know, sucks for them. They did win a conference championship, which I think means more than a bowl. And, you know, maybe the Gasparilla bowl will send them their swag, and all that anyway, but I, I hate it for them because I do think had this happened to the Gamecocks a little earlier before Tennessee withdrew from the Liberty Bowl, I think that uh, Army would have probably gone to Tampa. Maybe they would have scooped Army up before the Liberty Bowl did, but I don't know. Liberty Bowl is a bigger bowl, so who who knows how that would have gone down. Um, did have J.J. Inigbare, uh the defensive end, named first team All-SEC, uh, Kevin Harris and J.C. Horn were second team um, by the coaches. I, you know, I'd have probably reversed those. Uh, you know, Kevin Harris probably, you know, production-wise deserved to be first team all SEC at running back, and J.C. Horn certainly did. Uh, I think he's probably one of the best corners in the league. But uh, And then Enigbare, you know, really good pass rusher, put up some stats. But, uh, you know, probably wasn't all that great against the run this year. Uh, Enigbari probably needs to come back. Uh, I, I am curious to see, you know, a new staff, depending on what they do defensively, how you can maybe get him and Jordan Birch working in tandem on the field, uh, you know, as you go through and kind of put it together. 
that's a big start for your defense if you can get that going because they're both really good pass rushers. Obviously, like I said, it needs to get better against the run, but you know you, you don't know how that's going to work out with a new scheme or whatever. But uh, uh, I do think that's interesting. Oh, by the way, Muhammad Kaba, freshman All SEC by the coaches. I he played a lot. I mean, look, I I hear Kaba's got a little ways to go. So let's not say he's arrived yet. <laughs> um, and then Kai Kroger, the punter, also made it. And Kai probably deserves that as a freshman All-SEC guy. But, um, you know, well, we'll see. There, there's probably some guys I could have made a case for, too. I think Eric Douglas that, that on the offensive line probably had a good enough year to make it. Um, and you know, he's a guy that's important for them to bring – to get back next year, too, because – and I, I think he will come back, but I – yeah, he had a really good year at center, and then you so, so you return kind of the nucleus of your offensive line. Speaking of offensive line, there's a lot of talk out there about Will Friend from Tennessee being the next offensive line coach. Eric Wolford, uh, since we last talked, has officially gone to Kentucky uh, to work for Mark Stoops and closer to his home in Ohio, and I think he's probably the perfect fit there on, as offensive line coach. Um, they tragically lost that lost theirs this year up there. Um, so Will Friend is a guy with a big recruiting rep. Uh, worked at Tennessee. Uh, actually worked at Colorado State with Mike Bobo for a while. Um, also worked at Georgia. Uh, was at UAB for a while too. Um, has always kind of been considered an up and comer uh, as far as offensive line coaches go. They did not have a great year on the offensive line in Knoxville, but who knows why that was. <laughs> I personally think a couple of the quote-unquote five-star players they have have never really been five-stars in my opinion, or, or they're not guys that are going to play like fives until they get in the year three or four. Um, but then again, you had guys that, that I do think are really good, like Cade Mays and Trey Smith. Uh, who Trey Smith, I mean, that guy's really, really good. Um, and so I, I don't know what happened on the other line in Knoxville. I, I think that offensive line coaches kind of in the SEC live and die by, you know, what happens year to year. Because <laughs> it's tough because you're blocking really good athletes and you don't have a plethora of offensive line talent in the South. You know, we all kind of think that around here we have the best football players at every position. Uh, that's probably true except for offensive line. There's just not a lot of them. And um, so uh, it, it's not easy. That's why I liked what Eric Wolford was doing on the O-line. I, I thought that going and kind of putting a premium on athleticism and saying, okay, we're going to get the guys that could possibly play D-line in a pinch, uh, and we're going to develop them into offensive linemen because then you can match athleticism. I think that's smart. Um, but, you know, as we all saw this year, you know, the, the O-line – it could be up and down. I mean, you know, there's games where you look at it and you go, wow. And there's games you look at it and you go, oh. <laughs> uh, and that's true just about everywhere but Alabama. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know sometimes that, that Alabama, with all the talent they have on the offensive line, doesn't get, you know, uh, beat up a little bit by defensive lines. I think they're just really good at the skill spots and all that. Um, but, you know, I, I keep going back to Georgia last year uh, against the Gamecocks in 2019, the game they lost. And South Carolina's defensive line got the best of them 
uh, in that game, you know, and, and you got a bunch of really talented offensive linemen and Sam Pittman coaching them, you know, so there, there are going to be bad days up front. Um, and so I say all that to say this, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I don't, I haven't followed Will Friend's career close enough uh, to sit there and tell you if this is an upgrade over Wolford or not. Uh, I'm certainly not going to say it's an upgrade over Wolford because I was a big Wolford guy and liked his plan and liked the way he recruited and pretty much liked the way his offensive lines played most of the time. But again, you're not going to get 100% there. And so, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's an upgrade if it happens because I also want to say that, you know, the football scoop said it's probably going to happen and then four or five different outlets that aggregate. And what what aggregating is – they take things off Twitter. They take things other people report. They write an article about it. And you get headlines and traffic, and I guess you can could, you could monetize that. And we, we do aggregation, too, on the big spur and at 24-7 sports. We kind of have a department that does that for us, and, and that's fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, some people are like, oh, well, it's not original reporting. But sometimes when you're – you know, depending on who you're aggregating, <laughs> uh, this thing could be like a game of telephone. I mean, football scoop, what they said was it's looking like Will Friend probably will come. Well, that's kind of what we've been told. Looking like probably, not done, maybe. You know, talk to a source that knows Will Friend pretty well, and he's like, yeah, hey, yeah, if he gets the opportunity, key, key phrase there, and then, you know, you hear from people at Carolina, no, no, this isn't, this isn't done yet. And people are just reporting it. And, and again, you got to kind of clean this up, you know. It, 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 yeah, and, I, and I'm not saying Will Friend's not going to be the guy. I'm just saying that it's not done yet. <laughs> and it may not go that direction. There may not be the opportunity. So, you know, pump the brakes, uh, you know. But, you know, in talking about it, uh, I don't know enough about what he's done specifically other than watching his offensive lines. Uh, and looking at who he's recruited to say if this is an upgrade or not, uh, if it does happen. Uh, I do know he knows Mike Bobo really well, and they work really well together, and that would be something that um, that would, uh, you know, that would be something that, um, you know, could would make sense, particularly if Bobo stays, uh, as a lot of people are expecting. So we'll see. We'll see kind of how it goes in terms of uh, the Will Friend, potential Will Friend hire. Hopefully we get some other coaching names here pretty soon. Um, I think that uh, that would probably do the fan base a lot of good right now (laughs) to hear some names because I think that, you know, you're rolling on here into Christmas and it's like, oh, man, you know, who's he going to get? Um, and I understand, you know, I understand where Shane Beamer is coming from as far as waiting to make sure you get it right. Because everybody's going to be a whole lot happier if you take your time and put together a good staff, you know, because nobody's going to remember two weeks in December where he hadn't hired anybody in a month. Nobody's going to remember that. Um, rather than throwing it together and ending up with some duds and having to make a slew of coaching changes in a year and all that good stuff. Um, because that, that can be more detrimental to your football program than, uh, you know, than, than waiting for two weeks in December, Christmas week during a pandemic 
you know, that kind of thing where, you know, you can't really hit the road and do anything anyway. Um, so I get it. But, you know, the key there, too, is put together a good staff. You know, <laughs> If the staff inst- still doesn't end up being good or working out, you know, nobody's going to, you know, nobody's going to cut you any slack. And I guarantee you there will be at least one person that says, ah, oh, see, he was waiting. And because he was waiting, that means he got turned down by a bunch of people. And that's that means he, he wasn't doing good and blah. And look, I don't I don't want to hear anymore about we were sold. We were so I, I hear this on the big spur all the time. We were sold on this, that, the other. Number one, I wrote an article five years ago that said Shane Beamer could put together a good staff. I stand by that. Uh, you know, we were sold this and sold that. And, and Shane himself did say premier staff. Now, what does that mean? I think it means premier staff for South Carolina because there's been some name coaches cycled through South Carolina the last five years that, you know, really hadn't done much. And some guys that came in that were analysts that were probably the two best assistants during the Muschamp era, Bill Bobby Bentley and Mike Peterson. I So so let's just keep in mind, you know, it doesn't always mean big name. You know, it doesn't always mean big name. Um, in terms of putting together a premier staff. But, you know, no, no, for fans, I'll say this. The, the selling on a coach comes comes with wins and losses and, and, and things like recruiting and, you know, getting players and, and winning recruiting battles and, you know, winning on Saturday and, and, and all that good stuff, the PR aspect of it, being media friendly, you know, giving you a, a window into the program. You know, that, that, that's the sales job. You know, the, the, it doesn't happen. Nobody need you don't, you're, fans don't need to be sold before the fact. You know, that, that's not anybody's job is to sell you before the fact, nor should you have any say in anything before the fact. You know, and, and other SEC programs tend to understand this a little better than South Carolina. And I, I continue to think it's because, Hey, we hadn't had very many coaching searches around here. <laughs> and you look around, Auburn lands on Brian Harson finally. Uh, Tennessee had what they had a couple of years ago. There's some, there's some programs that cycle through coaches that are used to coaching searches uh, and, and that understand, look, okay, this guy's the coach. Everybody rallies behind the coach. Everybody supports the coach. And then when coach doesn't win, if they don't win, they get fired. And then you go hire a new coach. Uh, And I think the problem in Carolina is the identity of the program for 16 and a half years was wrapped up in two guys that are in the hall, that are hall of famers as coaches. So that was the whole identity and people kind of freak out. They have to have this big name coach. And I understand that, but that's not how it works in the SEC you know, with other programs that, that want to be successful. And it's detrimental to South Carolina's success, quite frankly, you know, to sit there and, you know, you know, I, I have to be sold on a guy. Oh, no, you don't. You, you the, the selling comes with the winning and losing. The selling comes with, with winning recruiting battles. The selling comes with the performance of the job, not beforehand, you know, not beforehand. You know, and I get it. Everybody wants to be excited like they were when Spurrier came. Well, that's probably never going to happen again. Probably never going to happen again. 
and it doesn't happen anywhere. <laughs> you know, South Carolina is very special and unique that they got those two guys. You know, most of the time it's just like, okay, who's out there? Let's go get a guy that fits, and away we go. And if it doesn't work out, you recycle coaches again, and you and you keep you keep trying and trying and trying until you get it right. That's just how it is in this league, and that's just uh, that's the bottom line with all that. So, you know, we'll see on Shane Beamer's staff again. I don't think you know the. I don't think he has to sell anything to anybody right now. Um, you know, as far as his hires go and all that, you know, it's it's. I think it's fine to critique them and have an opinion on coaches. I mean, I think that's pretty cool uh, for for fans to you know, have opinions on assistance and stuff like that. And you should, but, you know, as far as him having to sell, sell, you know, sell you on anything that that's, that's just not, he doesn't have to do that. You know, I'm sorry. That's uh, if you're not sold right now, you know, you, you should neither be sold or not sold. You know, you should, you should be, you know, evaluated as you go. So, um, you know, that's just kind of the deal there. All right, moving right along here inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, Rod Wilson's gone. Uh, former Gamecock, one year at Carolina, hired as the linebackers coach, coach special teams in the NFL. We'll see if he maybe lands at an NFL gig or something like that. But Hale McGranahan from the BigSpur.com reports that yesterday. Hale had a pretty good day breaking news. He had that, and he had uh, the Gasparilla Bowl scoop. So shout out to my guy, Hale, who uh, joins us here from time to time on the Inside the Game Guys podcast. And so, um, you know, with this, Rod had a chance to stay on. Uh, from what I was told, he is a versatile guy that can coach special teams. But um, it sounds like that just wasn't happening. Uh, and so he's out. So he and then I think it's safe to say Joe Cox is out because he's changed his Twitter from Joe Gamecox to just Coach Joe Cox. So so that's two more that, that you know are out. So that's Joe Cox, Eric Wolford's gone, Rod Wilson's gone. Uh, obviously, Kyle Krantz is gone, and Travaris Robinson is gone for right now. That leaves, you know, people in question. That leaves Mike Peterson on defense, Tracy Rocker on defense, Des Kitchings on offense, Mike Bobo on offense, Bobby Bentley on offense, Connor Shaw still technically on offense too, but I think he's staying regardless. Um, And so we'll see who all ends up being kept when you're talking about uh, the Gamecocks and sort of uh, (laughs) how the defensive staff is going to be um, structured right now. Uh, but that was interesting with Rod Wilson uh, going yesterday. I don't know if that gives any kind of insight uh, into anything uh, as far as the uh, who the defensive coordinator would be. So, so we'll see what's going on. All right, mailbag time. And, uh, again, Merry Christmas to all you guys out there. It's been a great year on the podcast. Uh, we're going to continue to grow. And um, Justin gave us a shout out to JB and Goldwater uh, yesterday and said, JC, turn me on to you guys. 
And uh, Justin, I appreciate uh, you shouting out the pod and listening to JB and Goldwater. If you want sports talk every day, these guys bring it. They have a good uh, bunch of guests, a, a good disposition about them. They're fair. They do cover the Gamecocks. Uh, rock and roll on that one. So that's uh, that's good. Thank you for that. Uh, spit ya. Says, hey, JC. Weird question. Is our inability to pass block the Gamecocks, but excelling in run blocking more product of coaching or just not recruiting the right type of athletes along the line? How can we improve with the talent on the roster? I think they've got really good athletes on the offensive line, and I, I don't know that it's coaching. I, I think it's good pass rushers, uh, number one. I think number two, uh, when you're running the type of offense the Gamecocks ran and you're limited at receiver and you're running some – plays that are a little more slower developing, uh, especially with Hill back there, you know, it's unrealistic to think that you're going to sit back there and block for five, six seconds. You know, that, that just doesn't happen. Uh, that said, I do think that it tackled this year. They, they had some guys that probably did not do as well as they should have. Turnantine didn't have a great year. Dylan Wanham didn't have a great year. Ja'Kai Moore had a good year run blocking, not pass blocking. And Jalen Nichols kind of fell back from his freshman year. Um, those are your four tackles. They're all eligible to come back next year. Uh, I would if I were them. I don't think a single one of them is ready for the NFL uh, and see what the new coach can do with them. But uh, I, I don't I don't think it has anything to do with athleticism um, or the coaching. I mean, just because, you know, coaching – you're coaching pass blocking, you know. <laughs> um and, you know, an offensive line coach, too, could get a little more out of technique and, you know, things like that. So so we'll see. But I I think offensive line is, is, is being left in pretty good shape as it stands now uh, when you're talking about the players up there. It's never going to be perfect on the O-line, ever. Uh, those of you that expect perfection, you're watching the game, the quarterback gets sacked, ah, oh, you line, you know, he tackles for a loss, ah, oh, the line. You know, first of all, not all those plays are on the line, you know, as far as their fault. But second, that's going to happen here in the SEC. But, uh, Spit, yeah, I hope you have a great Merry Christmas. I appreciate your uh, your your tweets because uh, this came in via tweet. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod, uh, and I'll answer those mailbag questions as well. Uh, and then you also can email inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. And that's our, our next four. Um, and so we can, uh, we can roll with that. First one comes in for Tim from Tim. He says, if the players really didn't want to play for Bobo, don't you think this would have already happened considering he's been the head coach since the Missouri game? Yes. Sounds like it could be some disgruntled players in general with a coaching change, which comes as no surprise, correct? And the actual Bobo folks, the anti-Bobo crowd was two guys, you know. Um, now, there, there probably were more, according to John Whittle's report. Uh, and, and my understanding is not many more, five, five at most. Uh, you know, maybe all of them played the same position or whatever. Um you know, that we're like, we don't want to play. So that's fine. Uh, but some disgruntled, yeah, there, there's always going to be disgruntled players during a coaching change. And the, the actual, I don't want to play for Bobo crowd consisted of all of two people. 
and one of them never ever plays ever. So who cares? <laughs> uh, I also think the kids are tired. The staff's tired. And that's a good point. I mean, it, it's been a long, grueling year, and it's not been – I mean, you know, I was just thinking about it the other day. You know, initially – and, look, I'm happy we had a season because it looked like for a while there was going to be no season, and that would have been rough. But I'm happy there was a season because, you know, I think we figured some things out as far as the future of the Gamecocks program goes, obviously, with a change. Um, I think that, you know, some guys like Kevin Harris had good years. I think J.C. Horn, even though he left early, kind of after the coaching change, um, played himself, you know, finally got his interceptions uh, and and probably is going to be drafted high and dream come true for that guy. Um, you know, I think Luke Doty got some valuable experience. Deshaun Fenwick had his best year. Uh, Shai Smith played his way into, I think, a, a relatively decent draft spot. You know, somehow, so I'm glad they played. But they've been practicing since July, <laughs> just like a normal season. Then they, then they practice, practice, practice for two months. You finally get the games. And then it's an all-SEC schedule. It's absolutely brutal. You have one open date. Uh, the guys look tired, um, and and then you don't win, and then you're playing in front of instead of eighty thousand, you know, fifteen thousand in empty seats. I mean, you look at that Kentucky game at the end there. It's just like, man, this is like a scrimmage <laughs> with piped-in crowd noise, and and sometimes the guys played like that, you know, like like a scrimmage with piped-in crowd noise, and it just got brutal. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, it didn't go well. But, you know, you, you can kind of tell – you could tell, you know, they were going to play in the bowl game, but just talking to people, you know, that that's one final bridge to cross, but they're ready for it to be over. Um, and, and I think also when you're talking about a new, a new coaching staff coming in, the old coaching staff's – focuses probably on their future and, and what they're and, and rightfully so, you know, rightfully so, you know, you got to feed your family, you know, that's, that's human nature. Um, and so look, I think they gave it a try. I think that it had not been for some COVID issues. They would be playing, you know, but they're not. And, and that's fine. You know, that that's fine. You got to, you can't have COVID running through your team and play football in 2020. Uh, but he's like, it's been a long, miserable season. Tim says, hell, it's 2020. Yeah, and, and to your general point, Tim, I'm not buying the whole, you know, people want to frame it like this mass mutiny, like we're not going to play for Mike, like something wrong with Mike Bobo. Uh, and look, you got people out there too in the media that want to, you know, pick at him because, you know, that ridiculous article from the Colorado Fort Collins newspaper or whatever, talking about him being racist, you know, which was totally debunked and not true. It was crap. You know, you could really, I mean, I, you know, line your birdcage with that story. Uh, But you got people out there that want to believe it because, you know, everything these days is about attacking someone's character, you know, and, 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 and trying to cancel them. So you got people out there that want to cancel Mike Bobo that are not even, and I'm not talking about South Carolina people and the Holinsky folks and all that. I'm talking about people that are out there in the general, 
you know, population, the general media. Uh, so then Bobo makes the comment that they didn't take a player vote. Oh, my God. How dare you want football players that are on scholarship to play in a game? You know, oh, my God, the ball, you you should. It's, oh, it's a uh, uh. And so then they 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 took that with the Yuva tweet, and they they there's this mismatch of let's try to cancel Mike Bobo, which is horse manure. Um, and you're absolutely right because logically, if Mike Bobo had problems, you'd have seen massive opt outs. I think after every week, because because if you don't like playing for the guy and you think he's a jerk and you're going to be out of there anyway, why would you keep coming to practice? You know. Uh, obviously there's not a lot of people on the team that just come keep practicing for their teammates. <laughs> that's, that's something that's going to have to be addressed. So I, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me at all in terms of uh, if Bobo, if there was a mass player mutiny against Bobo or whatever. So thank you, Tim, and have a Merry Christmas. All right. So Mitchell. JC, I've got a question for the podcast. It's not South Carolina related, but it's related to college football. And I thought you might know a lot more since you've been covering college football for a long time. As you know, a lot of the sports media have been lobbying for Division I FBS football to have a commissioner of some type since Mark Emmert and the NCAA does not have control over what Division I FBS football does in regards to scheduling and postseason format. I find this really odd since the NCAA can decide the postseason format for other sports, decide what the recruiting rules are for FBS teams. Yeah, they're like the the F. They're, they're, they they set the rules, but that's it. Hand out violations and, and vacate wins, but they cannot decide on the postseason format and whether they should play during a COVID nineteen pandemic. Based on this information, can you explain how FBS broke away? from the NCA and, and do you expect in the near future FBS will have a commissioner of some type? Yeah. I, mean, I think it should be Greg Sankey from the SEC, quite frankly, that rubbed. Um, I think with the way he handled it, uh, the pandemic and his league got almost all the games in and, and uh, people can say what they want about Greg Sankey and how some of the decisions from Birmingham impact individual schools and they don't like that. But as far as a level-headed guy and that looks out for the sport, I think that guy could be the commissioner of college football. Um, so all the, the breaking away of the conferences from the NCAA, you know, college football, NCAA, the NCAA has never sponsored a college football championship at this level because they've always kind of let the bowls and polls determine it. And then what was the, the CFA, College Football Association, sign their own TV rights, you know, because college basketball TV rights are different for the championship. That's controlled exclusively by the NCAA. Um, But they got their own rights. And so, you know, certain schools did that. And then that kind of morphed into what became the bowl Alliance. And then, you know, the bowl championship series, the BCS, and then ultimately the college football playoff. And so, the conferences have always sort of controlled it. And uh, I think what they need to do is we need to end the fantasy of the group of five teams ever getting in the playoff. And if you're going to stay at full, I, I, I don't, I'm not in favor of expanding to eight 
and letting your group of five team in either, because I don't think the group of five teams normally are in the top eight. You know, you want to sit there and argue, you want to argue who's better, Florida or Cincinnati? You know, Cincinnati's ranked higher, but who's better? You know, so you're going to have the same arg- circular arguments over and over again with that. Then the group of five needs their own playoff. And uh, I think having a commissioner to oversee those uh, would help. And I, and, I, and I think as far as the rules go, you know, the NCAA is in charge of it. Uh, I think they'd probably gladly hand enforcement over for football to, to some, you know, uh, to some other governing body. Uh, as long as, you know, you didn't start violating the, whatever their amateur philosophy is. But that's a that's a really good question. It's in-depth. And, uh, you know, probably get more into that during the offseason, Mitchell. Really good. Adam says, JC, do you think there's a chance of Colin Hill getting to play next year? I thought Colin was efficient and consistent the first four or five games. I didn't think he would have as much hate around him <clears throat> if he didn't take over – uh, I don't think he would have as much hate around him if he didn't take over QB1 from Olinsky. And a lot of his early incompletions were highlighted as drop passes. I agree to a certain extent. I don't think – I think he got something – and th- this is my guess on what happened to him. He, I, I think he completely lost trust in every receiver on the field but Shai Smith. And sometimes you just got to throw it. I mean, that, that's the bottom line with Colin Hill. If they don't catch it, it's on them. Um, Adam says he's a little biased because he's a former Dorman Cavalier, watched him through his years, uh, airing the ball out to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and other playmakers. I'm probably one of the very few that feels this way. We just wanted your opinion. Thanks for the great podcast to keep up the good work. Um, I think with Hill, they needed him to come back because I think you always need depth at quarterback. Uh, uh, do do I feel like he's going to be the starter at any point in the future? No, I think you'll see Doty, you know, get better. Uh, if Alinsky, as I said previously, wants to, uh, I think he could pass Colin Hill. I think the problem was is like number one, you know, Colin Hill's style of quarterbacking very deliberate. You know, people aren't really into <laughs> these days. Uh, you know, everybody blamed him for not throwing the deep ball. And then lo and behold, they finally throw a deep ball against AM and two drops, you know, right in the bread basket. So he could definitely throw that. Um, and I think the methodical style that they were forced to play this year, you know, ha- had an impact on that. I thought he's really good at Ole Miss, you know, but everybody's going to magnify the one mistake. Um, you know, that he made. And in a shootout, you can't make that one mistake. Uh, but then you go back, and if, you, if you'd have played somebody else, I guarantee you there would have been more than one mistake, and that thing would have been 59-28 or something. So, uh, you know, you, and, and in that game, they were basically just running the ball anyway, and he was getting them in the right play. But, I, you know, do I think he's going to be the starter long term? No, I think, you know, if he does come back next year and competes, he's probably the backup. Um but I, th- I think you need him because I think that you can get a situation where, you know, if, if Holinsky leaves, say Doty gets injured, you know, unless you hit the transfer portal, which you could, you're sitting there with Col- Colton Gauthier 
true freshman as your starting quarterback, and that's never ideal. Um, so I, I do think they need Colin Hill to come back. Do I think? Do I? In my opinion, do I think he wins the starting job next year? Probably not. But uh, I do think that uh, you know he, he's a valuable member of the team. Probably going to be a pretty good coach someday too. Um, so congratulations on being a Dorman Cavalier. Lots of my family, lots of my family members. Oh, I went to Dorman, and as a Spartanburg County native, I certainly uh, have appreciation for that program. Um, thanks, Adam. Hope you and your family have a very, very Merry Christmas. Wish I was in the Berg this Christmas. Noah says, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you too, JC. What true freshman has the best chance of seeing the field the most next season? How do you think will make the biggest impact long-term? Long-term, I'm going to go with uh, – shoot. Let's go with uh, Nicholas Barrett, defensive tackle. I'm going to – I'm going to – I'm going to ride that train. <laughs> uh, I think I think he's a really good D tackle that could probably get early reps. Uh, not expecting a ton next year, but down the road, uh, they need a guy like that. As far as next year specifically, you know, given the the issues at receiver, you know, you can say Omega Blake, you can say Sam Reynolds. Um, you know, I, I tend to think there'll be other receivers too that'll come in, but I, I think Caleb McDowell is a guy if they use him right, you know, use him maybe as a slot guy, return guy, physically mature enough and, and fast enough to, to come in and make an impact. They call him Juju, Juju McDowell, uh, at least as a returner. I, I think he's a very exciting player. Um, so I'm going to go with that guy. Uh, and I'll probably change my mind between now and then, depending on who else they get, Noah. But uh, that would be my pick for right now. And Noah, you have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year as well. Probably we'll have another, you know, another uh, deal here where uh, we'll have another podcast before the New Year. So that'll happen then. All right. Again, if you want to get the mailbag inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Also, continue to go rate us five stars on the Apple Store. And you can also get us on Spotify uh, and anywhere else you get podcasts. My voice is a little shot today, so I'm going to jump off. But I um, hope every one of you enjoys the holiday season. It's been a rough year, folks. You know, I don't think any of us have been spared. Uh, I hope the 2021 is better, uh, both in terms of, of, of life in general and uh, also the Gamecocks. Because it's it's been a brutal, brutal couple of years for the Gamecocks. So hopefully things get better. And uh, I think if we all keep faith, uh, you know, I, I know that life will turn around as far as the pandemic and the world and, and all that good stuff. Because uh, I have faith that that'll just happen. Gamecocks, you know, I guess everybody's been kind of waiting for so long anyway. It's not going to matter to wait a little more. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that we'll just have to see kind of how everything, you know, turns out. I, I do think Carolina's got a shot at being, you know, at least moving back in the right direction next football season, you know, bowl game, something like that. Uh, I do think this team has a shot to do that, but we got plenty of time to discuss that. All right, folks. Again, Merry Christmas. Talk to you soon. JC Sherbert inside the Gamecocks podcast. Holla at you later.